You are listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Well, everybody, welcome to the Park Fire Podcast. Uh, tonight's episode's on batteries. Uh, this is Michael, and with me always is... Jay from the AK. How's it going tonight, Jay? It's going pretty good. Good. Hey, tonight we have a special guest. Why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce him? Well, this guy, he's hot. Hot, hot, I tell you. All the way from California. And uh, <laughs> he's, here to, he's here to just lay down, lay down the law with us on safety. And well, who who do we have but Mr. Kendall Pearson? Hey, Kendall. <laughs> hey guys, how's it going? Good, Kendall. How are you? Oh, it's another day in paradise. But yeah. funny enough, I think it's just as cold up in Alaska as it is here in California right now. Yeah, without the snow. Without crazy. the snow. <laughs> without the snow and the kill- and the killer moose eye. Yes, yes, and the women and the women. You know, uh, well, come on. You know. you know, can't go wrong with that. <laughs> It actually, it actually was pretty chilly here as well. So uh, you guys are, you guys are killing me. You guys, chilly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I, I actually had to wear a long sleeve. Uh, shirt yeah, and your three quarters shorts. Better, they go down to your knees because <laughs> it's, it's so cold. <laughs> That's right. Ooh. My three quarter shorts. Absolutely. Might even wear socks. <laughs> wow. I did have to wear socks. <laughs> oh. Not with sandals though. So that's good. <laughs> Well, tonight on our podcast, we're talking about LiPo batteries. Uh, LiPo batteries are one of those things. They're fairly new. uh, Not really fairly new. They've been around for a while. They have some idiosyncrasies, I think, to them, and they can be a great asset to our park flying uh, world, but at the same time, they can be very dangerous uh, as well. And uh, I think that's why we have Kendall here. Tell us a little bit about what you fly and uh, the type of uh, flying you do with RC. And, and give us a little background, too. You're just not just an ordinary flyer off the street. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Oh, boy. Well, this is the hard part where, oh, boy, I get to talk about myself and try and create credibility. <laughs> well, I think the biggest reason why I'm here is I spent the last 38 years as a professional firefighter. Presently, I'm a command officer in a fairly large fire department up here in Northern California. So I've gotten to see a few things and some battery uh, difficulty, shall we say, and some things park flying and you know RC involves. Another qualification, if you want to call it that, is I'm actually an FAA certified flight instructor, instrument instructor. So got a little bit about the, the flying background. Uh, RC aircraft actually helped me uh, learn how to teach students. Uh, certain techniques, uh, particularly like slips and skids, where it's difficult to visualize if you're sitting in the airplane. It's easy to see it from the outside, but it's difficult on the inside. Um, that's, that's the tough part. And then the third thing, it, so to be completely uh, clear here, transparency, right, is the name of the game in the world. Uh, Jay is my brother-in-law. No. <laughs> I've never seen this. Listen, folks, I've never met this guy before. Yeah, we saw him walking yeah, on the street yeah. corner. <laughs> so one, one of, the, one of the, the issues that I have with Jay is, unfortunately, this has all been very one way, is that I seem to have developed all my hobbies have been handed down from my brother-in-law. So I've been draining my bank account because my brother-in-law has got me involved in different activities, one of them being RC airplanes. Um, I'm not as deep into it as, as you guys are. I just have gotten up to basically the aileron trainer stage. 
but, you know, I've got a DX6, and I can play a little bit and fly in a slow stick and learn a couple of things. And I have a basic understanding of what's going on in the RC world. Uh, not to act or uh, speak super intelligently like you, subject matter experts, but uh, I'll do the <laughs> best I can. To keep, oh, I'll great. do the best I can yeah. to keep up. Well, don't feel bad, uh, Kendall. He uh, Jay actually spends my money faster than I can make it, so he he is very good at spending my money. It's what well, I do. I'm, I, I'm here. Either, so. I am amused to bring joy to you fellows, and this and, and this is the heartache that I get from you. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's tearing well, me up. Yeah, you're amused, all right. I'm trying to make this go back the other way, and I keep saying, Jay, come on down here. I'll teach you how to fly. And when you start flying something at 150 bucks an hour, you know, without the instructor, then you will truly know the vacuum that can be created in one's bank account. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about batteries, shall we? We um, what's what's the advantage of the lipo battery, there, Jay? Well, okay. So when uh, starting out with uh, the neat thing about park flyers and the reason that it's grown so much in recent years is because batteries just hmm, about eight years ago used to be um, made from uh, nickel metal hydride and uh, batteries and they're rechargeable but they were very very heavy and then with the advent of the cell phone we got this neat little customer called the lipo battery and that's a lithium ion polymer battery i do believe lithium lithium pile i believe yeah, you're correct like lithium power yeah. yep. and so the neat part about that is it had a great density for storing energy and lo and behold now you could have the power and it was lightweight you know, just pick up your cell phone. It's not like it's a, you know, a mash phone, you know, from 1950, you have to crank. Um, it's nice. It's light. A bag phone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, so with these batteries, they're super light, but they have a little problem where the nickel metal hydrate batteries, you could run them over with your car. You could chuck them out the window. You could do all sorts of things with them. These lithium polymer batteries, if you happen to puncture the skin, oof. Lithium, air, gee, uh, Mr. Safety, Mr. Firefighter, what happens when those particular metals get exposed <laughs> to air? Well, rapid oxidation usually. Ooh. Um, yeah, big terms. Um, <laughs> I guess I can kind of jump in here maybe a little bit talking about the battery chemistry. And, and please keep in mind that one of the things that's interesting about firefighters is that in a world of specialists, we are the generalists. So you have to know a little bit about everything. So a lot of my knowledge isn't super specific or technical, but it's enough to know what to try and do safely and try and handle it safely. Um, one of the things that we've always been told about lithium polymer batteries or lipos, whatever you want to call them, is they um, it's an unstable chemistry. And a lot of the battery systems that are using lithium polymer batteries, they have a computer circuit that manages the electrical flow in and out of that particular battery. Like you just plug in your iPhone, like down here in Northern Cal, it's iPhone City. You know, it's a cord and you plug it into the wall. All of the maintenance of the battery chemistry and the charging is basically handled in a circuit within the telephone. Teslas, you guys have probably seen some of the things online. Large fires, I mean, when something happens in that vehicle and it damages the battery, it burns like crazy, lithium polymer batteries. One of the things to consider is that there's a lot of circuitry that's involved maintaining that battery chemistry in most electronic devices. From my basic familiarity to RC airplanes, there's not a ton of that circuitry there. It, they do a pretty good job, obviously, 
there's not flaming aircraft any place in the air uh, all the time. But um, there is something to be said that I know all of us have not had the most gentlest of landings all the time with our aircraft. <laughs> Zoom, you know? boom. What? Yeah. No way. <laughs> like Shocker. A, I, land, I like land like butter, butter every like time. Like butter. Everybody learns, Smooth. right? So there, there is some, there is some uh, uh, potential for doing some damage to that battery that's there, and then it may not show up immediately. But down the road, when you're charging, uh, you know, it might what's called puffing. The pack will will expand, and then you'll be made aware of the of the damage itself. Yeah, I, I have a bunch of them that are puffed up. Well, not a bunch, but I have several that are puffed up from me uh, using them on my EDFs. So just sucked all the energy out of it. Boom, got big and fat. Now it won't fit in the EDF. <laughs> and you're still using it's them. too big. Ah, yeah, I use it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm waiting for the day that my EDF looks like it got just got shot down by, you know, another aircraft. <laughs> Could happen. Um, yeah. There's just been a couple of, um, I mean, if, I don't know if you want to get into some of the events that I've seen with these things over the years. but Sure. Um, Absolutely. Okay. Anytime there's a big fire involved, I want to know about it, man. That's <laughs> fire. Well, yeah, you can't go wrong. I mean, we're, we're, we're guys with RC airplanes and there's a fire. <laughs> Holy smoke. Well, what a great combo that yeah, is. Not, not huge, huge stuff, but I'll tell you a little bit of how I got, got to know about RC aircraft uh, just briefly to give you the Reader's Digest version here. Jay sent me an airplane for Christmas. And I, I, uh, sounds familiar. Yeah, sounds familiar. So didn't have any, no flight simulator, no, uh, no nothing. So I said, okay, go for it. And it was some kind of an RTF, you know, I don't know. It wasn't the slowest trainer type aircraft, let's say. So I, uh, He's good at I that. pretty much, uh, I pretty much figured out that I didn't know how to fly, but I tried and I nosed that thing straight into the ground at full power at one point. So I, with a little, couple of conversations and and diagnosis i i kind of figured out that i had burned out the speed controller i showed up this local flying field that i knew was a bunch of guys i'd seen them from driving around in my first in area from the fire department and i stopped in and i just said hey can i ask you guys a question and the guy said yeah what do you got and i said how do you how do you verify the functionality of a speed controller like can you put a meter on it can you tell when it's burned out or what and then they inquired about why i was asking and they said, okay, the first thing you do is throw that crap away. <laughs> and then they hooked me up with a local RC shop. And within about a half an hour, I had a DX6 radio, a couple of recommendations of certain planes. And then they sent me over to a place and I picked up a slow stick with all of the specifications written down for the motor and the batteries and everything I was supposed to get. So, there you so go. I got all that stuff together and they said, don't worry about the battery charger at first. Come back to us because we don't want you to blow yourself up. I'm going, uh, what do you mean by that? That's always a good sign. <laughs> this is going to be nice and safe. Yeah. yeah what, uh, going, we want you to burn your house down, by great. the way. So not only is this expensive, but now I'm going to uh, potentially uh, expose my livelihood and my family to some sort of imperilment. So I said, okay. And uh, I went and got the stuff and dutifully got my slow stick and figured out how to fly. And they, they shadowed me and three mistakes high, all that good stuff. And I learned, I learned from that. So then about probably about a month later, after the guys had charged the three batteries that I had purchased, now I need the battery lesson. Give me the battery lesson. So out here, the battery charger of choice at the time for um, lithium polymer was called Thunder Power. And the batteries were all Thunder Power. 
And the charger that I had or that I ended up purchasing, which was new at the time, it's been a while, um, you had to know, you know, what milliamps, you had to know what it was and you had to basically manually program what you wanted to do so that you didn't overcharge it and, you know, cause yourself a problem. And one of the things that really uh, struck me at this particular time was one of the guys says, oh, yeah, I don't even take those batteries in the house. And he goes, in fact, check this out. So I go back to his car. He's got a trailer hitch with an ammo can basically bolted on top of this thing. He has a, a magazine is what he had. He goes, oh, yeah. And he showed me a picture of his charging setup. And he goes, I do everything outside the house. It's not in the garage and nothing, you know, just in case something happens. I'm like, going, why? And one of the things I've found difficult is that if you specifically look for like almost any battery issue, but a, like a lithium polymer battery issue um, in the national reporting system from the fire department, there's like almost nothing that comes up. So this is one of those, uh, you know, kind of urban legend kind of things where really? it seems like most people say, hey, I heard about this guy that did this. <laughs> hey, I heard about this guy that had this happen, <laughs> right, right. right? Oh, it's all hearsay. Yeah, all kind of hearsay stuff. Um, even though the the basic chemistry isn't necessarily supposed to be as stable as some of our old-time stuff like nickel metal hydride or nickel cadmium or lead acid, it still seems like there is some issues. And, you know, we've all seen the Teslas that have been completely engulfed in fire after an accident. That's for real. We've all seen the stuff about hoverboards. You know, the battery problems in the hoverboards. Oh, yeah. They, those are burning yeah, up all over yeah. the place. And the issue is that it's cheap circuitry so that the maintenance structure within the electronics isn't doing the job. That's, that's what we're hearing from the, you know, the, the fire side from the national reporting system. Um, stuff starts on fire. We have to do a report. It gets put into a national database. So we can draw information out um, to see what's happening. There's not a bunch of it because people don't get down to the lithium polymer level. They'll give you a manufacturer for what something is on the databases, but they haven't quite gotten up to speed with some of the new chemistries, and that's been a little bit of an issue. I think you guys, you know, out in California, of course, this year you guys have been having a horrible time with forest fires and things like that. And once again, it's um, there's a little bit of danger depending on where you fly. I mean, if you were to puncture the battery or some, you have a really bad crash or you were negligent in some way, I mean – it's drier than a uh, tinder keg out where you are. So, oh, yeah. I mean, have you had any problems with that out there? Or? You know, we absolutely have. Um, in the one flying field that's, that's in our, one of them is one of our first in area. Most people, uh, most parks out here in Northern California in, in the more densely urban areas, they just, the only thing they know from the old regulations is the slimers, you know, the gas powered planes. And they strictly say, no, you can't use a gas powered plane, you know, in, in a public park. But they're, they've seen most of the guys now, they don't want to be noisy. They're being polite to their neighbors, and they've been doing a lot of electric flying. So the, the authorities have generally sort of just turned the, turned the eye the other way. Um, I can cite one particular incident that happened um, out in one of our parks here. And like you said, as the expression goes, it's drier than a popcorn fart you know, out there. <laughs> um, the issue itself, and I'm not, ex not exactly sure if it was the battery issue or not, but somebody put a plane down, you know, roughly, not that nice butter smooth landing like Mike. Um, they put that, they put that, <laughs> they, they put the plane down and it basically augered in in a field and started about a six acre wildland fire that, that we had Oof. to deal with, you know. Um, fortunately, wow. the wind was blowing, so it, it, 
started the fire and then blew away from it. So we still had some some fairly decent evidence. And uh, I took a look at it, and I remember seeing seeing you know obvious point of origin right where the impact of the aircraft was. It was difficult to tell if it was a post-fire explosion of the lithium polymer or if there was something that started at the battery itself and then lit off. Because, you know, you're flying foam, for God's sake. I mean, it's petroleum-based stuff. It's it's going to burn. If any right. type of heat source pops up, it is going to burn. That's probably the biggest thing I can think of in our local area, specifically um, related to batteries with the, uh, with the, the local aircraft, local RC clubs and these guys were mortified, you know, they're everybody, they think they're on the edge of losing their flying field and stuff. And they've been good neighbors and great guys. And but the parks guys said, Hey, stuff happens. And, dude. and accidents yeah. do happen. And, and once again, I, I have seen where somebody will have a speed control. That's not quite up to snuff. Like you were saying, maybe, maybe it's only a 20 amp. They're flying something that's putting out 30 amps. And I have seen the wires on the escape get fused or burnt. They burn up. And then as they, the insulation burns off of them, then you get contact, and that causes the spark or a fire. Um, it's not necessarily the battery goes bad or gets punctured, but you melt out the, the insulation off the wires, and that starts the fire. I've seen that a couple of times. Well, Jay, Jay and I saw last uh, e-festival that we went to here in Arizona, that guy hit the ground at doing well over 150 Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. His battery really didn't burst into flames. It smoked like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it was cooking off pretty good. But, I mean, it was a balsa wood airplane, and, and he went in. He had a little bit of a, a flutter in the elevator, and it just – he was doing, what, 200-and-something miles an hour, 210 wow. or something. And he just came in, fluttered the elevator, and it just went, bam, right into the ground. And that was all she wrote. That It was nothing but splinters. But uh, it, it created a lot of smoke, and everybody ran over there and tried to, you know – put some co2 yeah that's a good thing that was at that club that they had co2 yeah they had a a fire extinguisher but nobody would really get close to it (laughs) (laughs) they kept trying to they kept trying to pawn off the 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 fire extinguisher to someone else hey you go do it i don't want to go do it just as a curiosity question i imagine big competitions and conventions and yeah there's guys with fire extinguishers but you guys take a fire extinguisher with you to your local field just to fly is there one out there no. No. Not in the Contingent park. plan. I mean, I don't. No. Yeah, I, you know, that's probably one I should throw in the – I should probably throw one of those in the truck or something when we go out there. That's probably smart. But, I mean, will will the the two-cell, 450 two-cell or, or eight you – know, I mean, that that's nothing compared to my six-cell that I oh, fly. Yeah. And so most of the stuff that we fly at the park, the little foamies, they only have a two or three cell. Is it going to cause as much damage as a bigger battery? I think the biggest issue is, um, you know, as, as far as starting something on fire, if you land on it, you know, it just depends on your local area. Wildland areas fly in the summer, you know, you get, get some fuel moisture way down below 10%. You know, pretty much anything is going to start that, any heat source whatsoever, whether it's a cigarette yeah. or or uh, you know someone dropping a match, or the famous uh, chains dragging from a trailer throws into the wildland, the sparks from the metal contacting the asphalt. Right. I mean, when you get into an environment like that, we tell people you know don't mow, don't use any metal blades like weed eaters or anything like that in the wildland area because you're going to get one spark, and then 
you're going to get a fire. The thing called ignition component in the wildland fire world where they count 100 embers and the ignition component is from zero to 100, how many of those embers will actually start a fire? So when you get when you get to that 10, you know, the the 10 percent, uh, that's really dry, 14, 10 percent or lower of fuel moisture, dry grass, you know, whatever. When you're down there, it's the ignition component is almost 100. You know, every single ember spark that lands in the fuel bed is going to start a fire. So, I mean, it's an electric motor. It's, it's an electric source. It creates heat, you know, no matter what. So, I mean, there's a certain amount of discretion that has to happen here. Another part, not the wildland side of it, but depending on what part of the country you're in, they've lost a lot of favor lately, but shake shingle roofs. I mean, they're treated with with a, a flame retardant in the beginning, but when that thing's 10, 20 years old, the flame retardant's basically worn off. So you put a plane, some kind of heat source, you crash it into a roof, shake shingle, there's another style of of uh, ignition source that could happen. Yeah, and that's, you know, depending. You know, I don't I don't technically crash on the roof. I just land <laughs> on the roof. That's usually what I do. I meant to do that. Nice like butter. Like, like butter, butter on the roof, you know. <laughs> like roof butter. butter, new product. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. right. It's creamy. Now, I I don't know. I I can I can't even count on two hands how many times I'm crawling around some neighbor's roof getting my plane. Oh yeah, out of it, so. I've had that. You know, and then before. there's the other potential that if you hit something, the prop is stuck, and you've got the power turned up, you haven't realized it's crashed. I mean, right. it's impedance. You know, there's resistance there. Resistance is going to cause heat. You know, so right. I mean, if you think of it as as a term of it's a heat source. Very minor, you know, in the big picture, because these things don't happen a lot. But, you know, we have had a couple things through the years where the stuff has popped up. You know, granted, we get way more problems from fireworks. You know, people throw shooting out bottle rockets and stuff like that. But I think just like anything, the biggest thing is global global awareness. Be aware of your environment and understand what the potential is. Think about the next step, not just, yeah, let's take off and fly. Well, what happens if... This happens. What happens if right, I land here? Right. What happens if I have a failure? You know, that's something just to keep in mind down the road. So now, have you ever run into any uh, fire problems with people charging, like at the house? You've had any home fires by people charging it, or is that still an urban myth as well? You know, we we had a, um, again specifically. Uh, there's a lot of technology going around out here in Northern California. Um, we had a company that had a fire in their facility, not directly related to the batteries, but um, it caused us a little bit of uh, concern because they had a, I mean, big batteries. There was a car battery company, and and the fire got to the car battery, and we were we were hearing explosions. You know, we're like, yeah, wow. we're not going to go in there, and it was it was. It was <laughs> No, you know. Get Mikey. Okay, get Jay. Mikey. He'll make do it. it. In. Get yeah, in there, yeah, Jay. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> put this Scott pack on and get your butt in there. You know, as much okay, as we Sarge. like to say, as much as we like to say that we're uh, we make our living walking into places everybody else is running out of. You know, I, I always say, you know, I can't be the smartest guy in the world because I'll put myself into that environment. But we make decisions based upon benefit. <laughs> There's no benefit. Forget it. This particular case actually was a roof collapse from a, a winter storm that. The, the roof drains, parapet roof style building, and uh, the roof drains were plugged up with, you know, vegetation, leaves, and debris. And basically, they put a swimming pool up on the roof, and when it got to Olympic caliber, the whole thing collapsed, and that's what, start, that's what started the fire. 
<laughs> Olympic swimming. Yeah, Olympic. pretty much. But the batteries themselves um, in in a structure fire uh, that was that was interesting. Going because we're thinking there was propane tanks going off. It was all the hydrogen, but it was the actual batteries. It was the actual the batteries. Right. Yeah, it was actually the batteries oh. in the in the battery chemistry that had been direct flame and heat impingement, and they were letting loose. So we're like going, yeah, okay. And then above and beyond that, it's a fire issue. It's a safety issue. Now it's a hazardous materials issue because that Olympic-sized swimming pool on the roof is washing all that crap down into the storm drains, which goes into the creeks, which goes to the drinking water reservoir. Yeah, because now it's uh, sulfuric acid, right? Yeah, nasty nasty stuff. Ooh, wonderful. So it's it's Uh, hard to kind of nail down one specific uh, topic when it comes to the batteries because there is the explosive potential. um, There is uh, the hazmat potential. You know, there's the heat generation potential. You know, always does all that stuff wrap up to more than what like fireworks cause? No, it's not. But I can appreciate the discussion here. Just to, you know, guys are being proactive and trying to figure out, okay, how can we avoid these horrible situations and not try to figure out my homeowner's uh, insurance covers all this stuff. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, we had a we had an incident. It's been several years ago, but uh, you know, you were talking earlier about the old style chargers where you had to know everything about it. And uh, unfortunately, we had some uh, an individual who was a part of our club, and he actually put his in the garage. He put his uh, battery, his lipo, lipo, yeah, lipo. This individual, yeah, he put his lipo battery on the charger and and went inside and actually sat down and fell asleep in his recliner, just letting it charge. He had put it on lithium. Not he had put it on the he, pro- he put on nickel metal hydrate in NICAD settings. And so it, it started charging it, and this thing puffed up. It actually started his workbench on fire. And he had a couple of gas airplanes at one point, I think. And like Jay was talking about in an earlier podcast, it had some fuel soaked into the wood. <laughs> Next thing you know, the whole house was ablaze. And, and unfortunately, we lost him in the blaze because he was asleep in the other oh, room no. and was over, overcome by uh. smoke. But it it was a big deal, but it was that particular charger uh, the mishandling of the charger. It wasn't necessarily an explosive battery, uh, but I, I honestly, I have gone out with a lithium, a three cell lithium polymer battery, and I took my uh, little fire poker and you know stuck a little <laughs> little hole in it, and then ran like heck to the other side of the house and watched it kind of fizzle. Uh, but it 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 created a lot of smoke, but it didn't explode or it didn't you know come apart. It wasn't like a grenade going off, is what I'm saying. But it, it did get hot. And man, it created a whole lot of smoke, a bunch of white smoke coming out of that little hole. And it was just a pinprick hole. I mean, so, fire, fire fatalities nationwide actually talk about causing fires is that it isn't, people don't get burned up. I mean, specifically is that it's the products of combustion that are toxic with, you know, cyanide and just all kinds of nasty chemicals in there. And that's what overwhelms people and, uh, and causes the, the fire fatalities. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's no big deal. It's just going to puff up and kind of smoke a little bit. But, yeah, if it causes a free-burning fire, burns kind of clean like your gas stove. You know, it's the, appro- it's the appropriate mixture of, of the hydrocarbon with oxygen to create an efficient flame. Um, and it's what's called an incipient fire or even a, a smoldering fire where there may not be enough oxygen in the environment or there's not enough heat potential to really get it, you know, we call ripping. You know, full free burning. Those are those are right. worse. 
You know, carbon between right. carbon monoxide and any of the toxic chemicals. Well, especially if it's if it's in your basement, right? It starts oh, yeah. in the basement. You go walking down there, get overcome by the fumes, et cetera, et cetera. Or you just think, ah, it's not that bad. I'll open a window. And next thing you know, you're on the floor. And some fires themselves, I mean, especially especially up there in, a, in a, like in Alaska where you guys are burning, you know, stuff oh, to stay, stay we burn, warm. We burn stuff all the time. All the time. You know, the, the point is, is that in, inefficient combustion is actually worse than a free burning fire if you're talking about life hazard. Um, you know, now down here, if you sell a house, you're required to sell it with a carbon monoxide detector, you know, but many homes do not have carbon monoxide detectors and basically inefficient combustion, whether it's in your furnace, in your water heater, or for your lithium polymer battery charger that happens to be smoldering away. Uh, if you don't have a carbon monoxide detector, you're never going to know. And they call it the silent death. And you just... What happens, the hemoglobin attaches or the, the carbon monoxide attaches. It has a, forgive my uh, lack of specific knowledge here from my paramedic days, but it's like a 4,000 times more affinity carbon monoxide has for hemoglobin than oxygen. So basically you suffocate because the oxygen won't transfer across membranes. Uh, I'm feeling a little lightheaded, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> Walking off. Take a knee. Walking off. Have another beer. Walk it yeah. off. Walk it off. But, so, Kendall, what type of uh, charger do you use today? Um, I have an, actually I have an old Thunder Power charger. It's probably about five years old that I have to very specifically have my chart that the original guys gave me to make sure I understand right. what's going in and what's going out. But okay, I, so I, I see a new birthday present coming up. And <laughs> that's the case. Yeah, I can say there yeah. too. Yeah, and we just and and they're on sale right now, yeah. right? I think I just saw them. They were on sale. Well, it has been a little while since I've been flying. The RC planes, mostly I've been flying the full-size stuff now teaching students. So one, well, one expensive news. hobby for another, right? <laughs> yes, yes. They're all expensive. That's all I have is expensive <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a cheap one, is there? No, no, no. They're all behind me. You can see them all. My whole house is full of expensive well, hobbies. I used to say, Matter of fact, the only reason my wife works is to, to fund my I used to say that I used to say that my wife was my most expensive hobby, and the airplane has proved that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I get that. I, I understand that myself. Totally get that. So, Jay, you and I are cell pro users. We have cell pro labs. Uh, what do they call those? The labs. Power labs. Yeah. Power Labs and and they they have they have like a special circuitry to kind of test the right. It's it's basically the thing. reason that we uh, well the reason that I pushed on you to get this particular charger was just the thing that Kendall was talking about. The first uh, the first charger I got was the same thing. You could switch between nickel metal hydride or uh, the NEMA batteries, the lipo batteries, and the problem was it was just a little knob and. If you didn't put the knob in the right position, you'd be charging it at the wrong rate, the wrong current rate, and you could burn that thing up in no time. This particular charger that we're talking about, well, I'll put a, something in the show notes so you can see what it is. It's smart, and it's smarter than I am, and it's almost idiot-proof. I don't say 100% idiot-proof because they always come out with a better idiot. You are but, an idiot. And that's not a challenge for you know, people are, oh, I, I can make that thing fail. No. This thing's pretty smart that if you plug your battery in backwards, it won't charge it. It'll recognize that somehow you force those those connectors in the opposite way and it won't let you do that. If you were um, – you, it also has a, a little charging plug uh, so it can monitor each cell as it's charging. And if somehow you fit a uh, two-cell into a three-cell 
I don't know how you would do that, but if you did, it would recognize it and it wouldn't charge. It would it'd stop the charging process. If it anything's out of over voltage or under voltage, it stops the process. It, it's a wonderful system. But like anything else, I will say in this hobby, like when I got my uh, my transmitter, did I read the manual? No. <laughs> when I get my plane, do I read how to put it together? No. I'm a male. No. I don't like to read instructions, but I will say <laughs> to all of our listeners, if there's one set of instructions that you should sit down and read, it's the one that comes with your charger. Now, luckily, thanks to technology, all the new chargers are coming out and they're fairly smart to stop us from burning the house down. I say fairly. Although I've done, I've tried it once yes. or twice. I've tried it once or twice. Uh, we because we we use the we use the buddy board. Right, uh, the parallel the, the charging buddy boards, yeah. The parallel charging right. board. So and I actually took a two cell or three cell battery and shoved it into a four cell. <laughs> yeah, like I said, you you gotta be charging. About a second and a half later, I understood what I did wrong because it smelled terrible in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you it, you it did just, a little arc welding, battery did you? Heated up, it puffed up. Oh my gosh, my hand was all charred up. I jerked that thing out of Ugh. there and I ran through the house with this thing burning and I'm whipping it around. I threw it outside in my backyard. My wife's like, what are you doing in nothing. there? I go, I'm <laughs> nothing, charging nothing. some batteries. Nothing, honey. <laughs> Run around with the, the Febreze. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Yeah, exactly. Perfect or safe. Nothing so to see here. I will, say, I will say that plugging the battery directly into the power lab sing, as a single battery it is very, very smart. But when you start dividing it up into the power boards, you got to be a little more careful. Yes. Yes. Well, I like think the bottom, the bottom line really for all of this stuff is two things, twofold. Technology is improving. No doubt Yay. about that. Uh, and, and the second part of that, and I, I'm looking at this from a new guy's perspective, is that most of the new guys that are out there, I mean, that's all the stuff that I got was hand-me-down equipment. So it's not that it's necessarily bad or it's not functional, but if you have a manual device, you have to know the the science behind it. You have to understand what you're using. So if you have something that's that's maybe an older model charger, it might work fine, but just make sure you know how to use it and don't do anything stupid. Follow well, the instructions. Well, like you were saying, you know, yeah, the, good, good. since this would probably be something that all three of us would definitely understand, I love checklists when it comes to things like that. A little, oh, yeah. a, a little three sentence, little checklist on what to do, and you do it all the time, every time, the same time. Well, as as we all say, is that if if you have something that is manually operated, then the responsibility goes back to the operator. You know, the machine can be smart, and newer technology is much smarter. But if you're using older technology, or in some cases less expensive technology. That people might elect to get a manual yeah, charger. We're all about that. Something new, you know. Yeah. You know? So it's like, yeah. Well, just remember, your responsibility goes up the the dumber the device that you're using is, because supposedly you've got the intelligence to make it work. Well, that's a <laughs> yeah, big that's, assumption that I, I have. Saying, have you been talking to Becky lately? Because she yeah. didn't say that. <laughs> I did say supposedly. Okay. Oh, supposedly. Okay, I qualified yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to your sister. So, no. so JD, what's that like? So Jay, do you do you uh, do you charge in the house though? Right, you're not an outside. No, I guy. charge in the house because outside it's cold and there's bears. Yes. Well, and I've I've always charged in the house as well, but I, I will tell you, I don't walk away from. It, it's usually in the same room with me, or or I'm in you know fairly close proximity. I don't plug it in and then leave. You know, go away. 
I will say, uh, even I, though it's pretty smart and it will shut off when it needs to shut off, I I just usually don't walk away from. Okay, mine. I will say I have walked away from mine, but I have a lipo bag, and that's a neat little con, you know, contraption where it's basically a. That's um, true. It's not made with asbestos. They don't make things with asbestos anymore. Uh, Kendall, what what do they make that bag out of? But it, it's it's a flame retardant bag, and you slide. It looks like duct tape. It does look like duct tape, but you slide your batteries in there, and um, if if you can go on YouTube and you find a video with some of these bags, and where they set they they purposely try to set these things on fire by overcharging them, and you they'll catch on fire, but the bag will contain all the flames, not all the smoke, but at least the majority of the flames. So uh, it makes it a little bit safer, and that's what I use um, when I'm charging big packs, or if I'm in and out of the room and I'm not paying attention to it or keeping a, you know an eye on it. So. so compared to you pros, since this is a hobby that I kind of come to and then put down for a while, then come back and put down for a while, my confidence level with the manual charger isn't that high. So I've always charged things outside and I always do it off of a 12 volt battery. And usually I saw with an extension off on my car in the middle of my driveway. So if something does go off, there's no overhanging trees, no structures that are closed, it's all stucco. Just you know, the that car. kind of stuff. Just, Just the, the car. Poof. Yeah. <laughs> and who needs a car? <laughs> a car? But keep it a little bit. It's not on the car, but but that's always been my habit. And that's just me personally being just too anal about safety stuff because, you know, it's a manual system. My confidence isn't that high even though I'm following the instructions. So it probably right. would be fine right. doing it inside. But So have you ever uh, done that and then, uh, you know, had to go to work the next morning and – Jumped in your car. Rur, 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 rur. Oh man, I was charging batteries. <laughs> the battery was dead. <laughs> now, fortunately, these little milliamp batteries. And uh, thank, God, thank God, I'm not flying the big exotic, expensive stuff like you guys are. I mean, I'm flying. Okay, so Kendall, I, I went on, on on early one morning, and everybody was there. We were all flying. I had my Cell Pro hooked up to my battery in my truck. I was charging battery after battery. Everybody in the club left. It was finally. I had flown. Pretty much the whole morning, everybody kind of flew through their batteries and left. I'm the only guy there. I go, man, just one or two more flights. Put my airplanes up, jumped in the truck, dead as a oh, man. It sucked out every inner. It sucked out everything. I had probably and I was flying with three and four cell batteries, wow. so I, I did pull a lot of energy out of there. Wow. But yeah, it took that 12 volts and just just drained that thing like you wouldn't believe. And now I'm having to. Call the wife and explain <laughs> my battery's dead. And, you are one. You know, I, I can't go anywhere, loser. and she had to come out and jump. jump you didn't try to jump it with one of the uh, any your leftover batteries. You know, I thought about that because the Cell Pro would have put it back in there, right? But I just hook them all up and put it energy back. Well, you could have done that way, or no, just grabbed yourself a, if you had a fairly decent sized three cell pack, you could have started your car up. A little ingenuity. I probably could have it. Nah, I I I, I burn I burned through them all. I I flew. Uh. It was it was a great day of flying. Man. I flew a bunch of different airplanes, and I'm sure your wife has so. a pretty interesting. Her story is slightly different than yours. Oh, <laughs> I was I'm having sure a horrible is. day, and then Michael so, called me at the last minute. <laughs> I was getting my hair done and <laughs> had to leave in the middle. Perm. Of exactly. Nice. No doubt. Well, now that's another subject too that we could kind of touch on is actually flying the battery down because you know I. I I've seen guys that will actually fly the battery down to nothing, uh, down to one percent, and and I'm not really sure, Kendall. You may know, but if you if you pulled all the energy out of the battery, could you still get to the point where it's 
trying to uh, overcharge or pull more energy out that it would start a fire at that point? Or does it just kill the battery all altogether? Well, I haven't seen anything like that. And I haven't seen any specific studies like it. Um, most of the time I've seen is it's something's been damaged and uh, that that's been the cause of some sort of a heat source, um, some sort of uh, you know instability in the chemistry that causes a heat source. Um, I really don't have enough knowledge in that particular area to to uh, to comment intelligently, but I can tell you that most of the folks that I watch in the flying fields where I'm at is again hand me down equipment, second, third generation stuff that they don't have that fancy battery monitor on their radio. It's like, oh, it's a glider. Bring it in. <laughs> That's it, right? But they're not, they're not, they're, there's, there's like, it seems like there's the great chasm. You got the, you know, the people coming with the brand new, uh, the RTF stuff that's not big. It's made out of foam. It's not that expensive. And then you got the guys that are like, you know, spaceship commanders and they've got the full size Corsairs that they're flying, you know, that, that are, that are all handmade and beautiful, you know, sure. you know, with a cabbage patch doll sized pilot in it, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, so you got, there's two, two different things. And, you know, those guys, they've got the good equipment, you know, with the monitoring equipment on it for their batteries. But, you know, most of the, the mere mortals like myself, you know, they just fly it until it turns into a glider and then, Hopefully it's close to the landing strip and they can put it back down again. So have, have well, I, I can tell you that uh, I, I never fly my batteries down below about 30%. They, they, most of my batteries will, I'll fly. If I have to go past half throttle on mine, it's coming back because if you, if you just drain the battery down to nothing, the next time you charge it, it takes more energy and your batteries will puff. Yeah. Lipo batteries don't like going under 20%. Um, they they are not NEMA or NICADs, which you can drain down to zero and then recharge them. It's not the same chemistry. You go down to zero percent on a lipo and then you charge it up again. It will recharge, but you won't get a hundred percent out of the battery again. It might be ninety five percent, and then the next time you charge it, it's going to be ninety three percent because it gets damaged once you go under that three point two volts. Um, it's just you just don't do it. It's just bad. You you will shorten the life on that battery substantially by doing that by running it flat. And mo- most of the most of the uh, the chargers that we use nowadays, they'll actually recognize that the voltage is so low that it can't put any more voltage back in. And it, unfortunately, that's that's how it works. It's a smart. You know, it it looks at it and says, if this is at one percent, and I plug it in and I start uploading it at two C. It's going to way overcharge this battery. It's going to heat up really quickly. So it just basically says, sorry, you're too low of a voltage. Now, I have had a couple batteries like that, and you can kind of trick them. I don't want to go into that. <laughs> Let's right not here, bring that up. <laughs> We're supposed to be helping the guys out there. there but <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying that it's better in, in all the way around. If you, if you have a battery checker and you keep it somewhere into that 25 to 30 percentile, and and learn what it feels like when your battery gets that low. Because if you like I said, most of my battery motor combinations, I only have to fly at half half throttle. Unless I'm in a 3D situation, I fly at half throttle. When I start moving above half throttle to maintain forward flight, then I I know my battery's starting to go down. Some guys have telemetry where they can actually tell their voltage. Um, I think Mike Alaska Mike has some telemetry stuff that he can right. see. 
I know some of the guys that one or two of the guys at my club have it. They can see voltages on their batteries. So if you have that capability, it's great. But if you don't, just be cognizant of it and check your batteries and try to keep them somewhere. Right, Kendall, you you have a timer, right? I I think you I gave you one or you got one or it just yeah you, oh, you yeah. figured up yeah okay so that that's if you're old school like Kendall you can get yourself a little egg timer or a little digital timer and you put in there five minutes or four minutes and the whole idea is you fly for like say three minutes you land if you have a battery checker or something you see what the voltage is and you can figure out how long you can fly for on the average and then you just set your timer and know that that plane I can fly five minutes or that plane I can fly ten minutes. But it's really important because, you know, once again, you don't want to go below 20%. And two, I pretty much like to charge my battery or discharge my batteries to about 30 to 40% on the average, which seems kind of high. But then it doesn't take as long to recharge them. So if I'm recharging at the field, it only takes half an hour or 20 minutes to recharge that battery as opposed to a full hour. I, I can right, rotate my stock right. a lot quicker by not discharging them out all the way down to 30%. Or twenty percent. I mean, that might be another conversation to have. Is that there's? I mean, I'm sure the newer uh, chargers do a better job at this. But when you start talking about charge rate, I mean, doing a slower charge, putting stuff in, getting it, uh, getting it charged up, compared to uh, we call it either flash charging or there's other things. But trying to turn up you know, your amperage and then jam basically fill the tank up faster. You know, that's impedance, heat causes another issue. True. Um, some of the older chargers, you know, you could basically turn up the juice for lack of a better technical term here. Um, I'm not familiar with the newer smart chargers. So I, I'm assuming that there's some it's, sort it's of... It's the fail, same thing. You could, you could tell it, I want to charge yeah. a 2C, 3C, 4C, 5C, whatever. And if you try to charge it at too high C, that's beyond your uh, power source or that the battery can take... The, that's where the smart charger comes in and says, you, you tell it, I want to charge in five minutes, 10C, and it's going to go, yeah, you, you got a two D-cell batteries with some tape on it. Uh, I'm only going to give you 500 milliamps. That's it, buddy. Uh, I don't right. know what you're asking me for, yeah. but you ain't going to get it. It usually get, it, Ours usually give us an error code if you try to do something that it doesn't really like because okay. it will actually measure the heat uh, resistance or whatever that goes through it, and if it's too great – It'll come up with an error code gotcha. that says this, we're un- unable. Yeah, that kind of stuff doesn't exist in the hand-me-down equipment, so to speak. So just <laughs> some, something to be aware yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. The Cell Cell Pro uh, chargers are fairly expensive. I think we we popped off about two hundred and fifty. Yeah, at the time when they were they were fairly new, but I, you can get a something that's They've that equivalent about one hundred fifty dollars I, I, for yeah. a good setup. It's worth the money. And those chargers can do a lot, and they're safe. Now, you don't, once again, as a brand new guy, you don't have to put out $150 for these things. You can get a cheap charger that ranges anywhere from 10 to 50 bucks. They're, you know, run of the mill. They don't do anything special. They'll charge your battery safely, but it's going to take an hour or two. <laughs> You're going to be waiting for these things to charge because they charge at such a slow rate as to not damage the battery or do anything harmful. Right. So it just takes a little bit longer. And then, you know, it would increase the longevity of the battery also, you know, for, you know, future use. And kind of makes sense to gently use your equipment so you get as much out of it as you can. 
Yeah, because you're. I mean, batteries are not super expensive these days, but they the longer you can make it last, the better. I I, I have, I mean, I have batteries. I think that I had back in 2010 that I've used. You so, blow the dust off of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I blow, blew the dust off, plugged them in. They still work. They're a little puffy, but I I still use them. But so, Kendall, what's a good way to dis dispose? Ooh, that's a good of one. These batteries. No, that's an excellent uh, thing. Now. Most cities in in uh, in the more urban environments, you know, they have their recycle bins and all that, and it's it's always fun. That oh, no problem. Let's throw them in the recycle bins. If you look at the websites or the documentation that comes with with your trash cans, basically your recycle bins, they usually tell you don't put batteries in the trash. I don't exactly know what the heck they expect people to do with them. So usually what happens? <laughs> usually what happens? Oh, you, you, like like. Car tires, for example, as, as a silly parallel. If you want to take them to the dump, they usually tar- charge you 10 bucks a tire to drop them off. So what usually happens? Oh, I throw know, them in the ocean. Lot, vacant <laughs> lot or a creek bed down the street, right? That's like, right, okay, it doesn't right. work out. One of the things I would tell most people to do is that every county, most every county, will have what they call a household hazardous waste program. And really, a battery with the chemistry we're talking about, lithium polymer or nickel metal hydride or whatever, it's a hazardous material. It's not something that you want to get into a landfill. It's not something you want to have any type of effect for groundwater, you know, groundwater contamination, that kind of stuff. Um, any county should have a household hazardous waste program, uh, anyone. So um, checking in with your, your local authorities to find out what they might have. Some of the other places and you know, depending on uh, what kind of business you're in or the volume, uh, a lot of times uh, the, the auto parts stores they have they take battery cores for automotive stuff. And it's a different chemistry, mind you, but they're sort of in the business of recycling batteries. I might check with an auto parts store or any kind of battery supplier, you know, the interstate people or anybody else. If they don't have a specific program for homeowners, they could they could direct you. To where that might be, but I would say first check check with your local government folks, see what kind of household hazardous waste type thing you might have, and then beyond that, you know, auto parts stores or you know even some of your local hardware stores that sell those products, they usually have a requirement to take them back in. So so Kendall, so I have this old tired battery. I I charged it up. It only goes to seventy five percent. It's old. It's tired. I've checked the programs that you talked about. I think I have one. So. Do I just take it right down there and just give it to those guys or should I discharge it first or or do something is there a safe way to discharge those batteries? Well, I think the big the stab it stab it with your yeah. fork and just make it there you go. Just put it through your leaf mulcher outside and bring them all the residue. Okay, we're going to get letters. No problem. We're going to we're going to yeah. be getting letters. Oh right. no, come on. That would be an example of what not to do. Folks. Oh, that's right. Right. Uh, do not go. do these things. Yeah. I think the big thing we always talk about and I think one of the reasons why they don't want you to throw batteries in a standard waste receptacle is there's conductive material. you got your aluminum foil or your soup cans or whatever. And if for some reason something makes a circuit, it's going to create heat. So I think that's one of the things. I mean, the safest thing that you could possibly do is that if, if, if it's discharged without any potential of causing heat, that's probably the best thing you can do. Yeah. Uh, um, I heard that uh, like throwing it in a tub of salt water or in water and letting it sit in there for an hour or two is a good way to discharge them. Uh, that's nothing I would recommend, quite honestly. 
I mean, I, I, holy smokes, that's the how. That's how I get rid of mine. I take a big bucket, walk outside, throw them like I just pour salt in salt water, throw all my batteries in there, and let them sit for about four days. That's not a process that I'm familiar with, quite honestly. Because all all, uh, all yeah. I'm thinking is that you're creating another hazmat problem. And I know what that's uh, probably true. And I know what you're doing is that you're, you're my dog likes it though. He thinks it tastes yummy. <laughs> Great. Can I get have it? I'm just kidding. Can I have, I'm just kidding. Can I have more letters. letters. Pita people out there. <laughs> Heavy more metal poops. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Where's where's my, my dog? My dog's got a third eye and his tongue hangs out the wrong <laughs> way. Hearing problems. No, no, no. Yeah, something like well, that. Well, uh, you know, um, for as long as I can remember, though, everybody at my club, everybody talks about that. They pour salt water in a bucket, throw those batteries in there. It does discharge. You can actually see the bubbles coming out right. of the the leads. And by the time it, you know, a couple of days, I, I usually leave it a couple of days, but then when you take it out, it's, it's pretty benign. I mean, there's, yeah. there's no charge able to, it, it, it corrodes the leads. It does everything. It just totally destroys that battery. Well, basically the salt is the conductor and you're putting it in a medium that conducts and then discharges the electricity within, within the volume of the water. I mean, that makes sense. I haven't, that might be part of a commercial process maybe that I'm not familiar with. Haven't ran into one of those businesses around here. No, not familiar. Once again, I probably would check with, uh, and again, it's hard to say, okay, check with the authorities. Like, okay, what are you guys doing again? Where have you been dumping that water? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, did I say water? No, it's a friend of mine. My house. It's, it's yeah. a friend of mine. Yeah. yeah, it's a friend of mine. But, you know, I, I guess the, <laughs> the theory would be that if you're going to get rid of the water, if you put it in the sanitary sewer system, that would stay out of groundwater and keep you out of trouble. In other words, the toilet or... You know, the shower, the drains, probably the toilet, but depending on what kind of volume you're doing, I'd be maybe concerned that there might be some sort of corrosive nature to the liquid and then you'd cause yourself a plumbing issue. But that's probably extreme, just thinking on the extreme safe side of things. But yeah, nothing I've heard of. I mean, I don't know. Is there some sort of guidance document or it's, or is that the some guy told me so policy man? That's a some guy told no, me. That's, I, that, I just, that could be kind of like one of those. I, yeah. yeah, it's kind of one of those urban legends. It's just, yeah. I, well, for for me, I live in Arizona, so another three days in the bucket, all that water's evaporated anyway. Yeah, so I don't go. have any water to dispose of. <laughs> and we just threw a bunch of just ours in the batteries. fire pit, so you know, yeah. hey, <laughs> just evaporate the water yeah. and then throw all the residue in your so- water softener, and you're good to go. That's right, exactly. <laughs> 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 and oh, my well. wife can't figure out why her hair's all green now. You know, it's like. <laughs> I, I just blamed. I told her. I just told her she bought some bad shampoo. But uh, that's the way the kids are wearing the it, dark, that though. hairstyle this, these days, honey. <laughs> Inverse mohawk. Uh, what happened? Yes, exactly. All my hair fell out, and I glow in the dark. Sinead, the it's a Sinead O'Connor look. It's coming back. There you go. Sinead <laughs> O'Connor. Nice. <laughs> Old school. Well, so do you know anything about the new graphene batteries? I know Hobby King has come out with this new graphene stuff. It's more of a I think like like a carbon or graphite uh, conductor, and I don't know if that's any safer or. That's an that's really an unknown from my side. I haven't even heard of that chemistry yeah. out here. In, in, we actually have a guy uh, that used to be in a club of mine down in in the south part of town that actually does a lot of testing for that. He's a battery guy. I should give him a call. See, he could tell he could talk to us about the actual chemistry part of it. Say, so what are they using that battery in? What kind of equipment? The graphene? That's a RC battery. It's a lithium. Yeah, it's brand new. Graphene has just hit the yeah, hit just hit the circuits here. I guess within the past year. 
that it's come out. Yeah. And um, it was invented by a guy in like Ohio or something. And it's just basically uh, carbon that they've been able to do a certain type of matrix with it. It's It stores a lot of energy. But uh, I have not heard of like the batteries exploding or having prop. You know, that's something it, it doesn't have like where the lipos have it. You, you can open the batteries up. And, you know, if it gets exposed to air, no problem. It doesn't care. It's all carbon. There's no lith- There's no lithium, like, in, in, in lipos and stuff. So it's a lot safer. And actually, the new iPhone series, they use that type. Oh. But don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, the, I was able to see that. Like, yes. Yeah, I ran over mine. About 65 miles an hour, I ran over my phone because I had left it on the hood of my car. And it slid up underneath, and it totally tore it up. So when I went back to find it, I really didn't find the phone. I found the pieces. But one of those was actually a bag that had all that carbon in it. I, I dumped it out, and it, it had a, a like a, a little stamp on it that, that said battery. And I, I mean, I knew what it was. It was a battery. But, man, that carbon stuff was everywhere. Well, that's, so, that's but, def- uh, definitely the that. holy grail for the next millionaire is coming up with an efficient battery chemistry you know that's that's the secret basically to to all of our energy woes, uh, according to all of our tech people out here. And once well, the next ten years, go. ten years, I give it ten years. Yep. Sodium batteries, something super efficient, yeah, big time. You say sodium batteries? Mm-hmm. That's uh, well. What happened to the one, two, three phase? Because that was a big deal for a little bit. Just a few years ago, I don't know. That Everybody just, thought that was the next big thing. Yeah, was and it was kind of short lived, wasn't it? I mean, they still well, use them. They were so heavy. Yeah. Yeah, but they were so heavy. They're very efficient. I mean, you could power a lot of stuff. Well, I have to talk to Jim because I think Jim used, uh, when he set his world record with his quad, he, he used a one, two, three battery. Oh, yeah. We'll have to have him on. That'll be pretty yeah. interesting. Hey, Kendall, I was just looking at yeah. the, uh, the little clock on the wall, and uh, it seems that our time with you is over. So okay. would you like to say anything yeah. for, a safety, for a safety benefit for our folks out there? As a head fireman of California, <laughs> don't do anything stupid. <laughs> no, there you no, go. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> words to live by, folks. I, I tell you, it's it's a double edged sword. Is that you know we like to say human stupidity is our job security, and there's no lack of work. <laughs> if people get smart, I'll be out of a job. You know that that's one thing. I think the bigger the bigger ticket mostly that global awareness. And think about the next step. Oh, that's the, pretty deep. I know. I'm sorry. Understand what's going on around you. Ah, that's ooh, the, okay, fir- the, gotcha. the first part. And then think about what is the potential of what's next? You know, what could happen if, you know, is a contingency plan? You know, what what's the next thing that might happen? And, you know, that's, that's a fire guy based thing. Drives my wife absolutely crazy. It's like, why are you walking around the car all the time before you get in the car? I says, well, because I want to make sure the kids are inside. There's nothing hanging off the vehicle. It's safe to go or good to move. No problem. So well, why do you do that? I says, well, over the years, I've seen plenty of kids get run over by their parents or their relatives because they didn't know where the kid was. Global awareness, right? right? Just just done. But that's experiential learning on my, my part. And it would be nice to be able to have everybody plugged into all of our emergency services people's experience go, one of the things we do frequently is, I mean, more and more you have these, you know, whiskey tango foxtrot moments like, how the hell did that happen? 
<laughs> right? We've had a few of those in our in Wait, our that's lives. not that's not a daily occurrence. I thought that was part of getting older. Uh, I, every time I wake up, I have an experience <laughs> well, like that. I know we ha- we have our minor uh, indiscretions, shall we say, but you know, when something's big enough where you got to call the fire department, that's a big deal. And a lot of times gotcha. a lot of times that people um, they don't uh, they don't think about the next step. But probably the other thing is don't be afraid to call 911. I mean, really, people go, ah, on average, the national average is uh, someone calls 911 uh, 2.1 times in their lifetime, and that's national average. But uh, don't, don't feel silly. Don't feel stupid if you don't know something. And the bigger ticket item is call early, especially when it comes to fire. Uh, fire, if it has heat, fuel, and oxygen in unlimited supplies – it will double exponentially every three seconds. Whoa. So, so two cubic feet, four cubic feet, 16 cubic feet, and so on and so forth. But it'll double every three seconds. It moves that quickly. And you know, we have people that Christmas time, pretty standard, dry Christmas trees, all that stuff. They'll, uh, they'll have something happen, electrical short, whatever, something starts on fire. They go, oh, I'm just going to go to the kitchen and get a pot of water and go back and throw it on it to make it go away instead of calling <laughs> calling 911 immediately. And the whole living room's on fire by the time they get back. So um, just the, the explosive potential or the, the exponential expansion of, of that form of energy is catches a lot of people off guard. It's like just get out of the house, take your cell phone, call 911. And uh, and just wait for us. Don't believe me. It's just stuff. You can replace stuff. You can't replace people. Now that make me mad because all my lithium polymer batteries are under the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully discharged. You just burned up all my batteries. Hopefully discharged. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a little yeah. fort made over here with mine. <laughs> okay. Awesome. They're all stacked in awesome. a little Jenga. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure uh, to have you on our podcast tonight, Kendall. We really appreciate your words of wisdom, and uh, we want you to stay safe out there. We uh, also want our listeners to stay safe. So uh, look into your battery charger. Make sure you're doing the right things. I will tell you that I went to Costco not uh, too long ago, and they had those uh, 50 caliber ammo cans. cans. Yeah, they had two of them. And they were for like $14. So look around at your local Costco, see if they have a pallet of those. I bought two or three sets, and you know I brought them home specifically for my LiPo batteries to kind of keep them in there. Because the plastic tub I was keeping them in, I guess, made me nervous after Jay and I had been talking about it. So I got some of those, and hopefully I'll store uh, them in there and charge some in there. So you just got to remember, got to remember to drill a hole in the side of it. Otherwise, you're just creating a big big ammo can bomb <laughs> that's true containment so no, appreciate you guys having me very much a good uh, good topic and hopefully is a value of a couple of folks out there take some take some takeaways well we think it is and uh, if you actually thought uh, that it was good value give us a comment if you had any questions about it we can send the kindle we'll post some of this stuff in our show notes and uh, what do you, what else do you have for us jay well, I was just thinking of having Kendall on uh, maybe another time for another safety day. I mean, I know we had uh, we have a uh, little incident podcast coming up with uh, cuts and bruises and such from the RC hobby and stuff, but I think we should have him back on with his paramedic degree as well to talk about some topics for some other hazards that can happen while we're out there 
park flying that he could probably relay. Anytime. Be happy to come back. Excellent. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for uh, participating with us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, you guys. Take care. Thanks, everybody, for joining us tonight and listening to our podcast. If you have a chance, go to iTunes and download us and like us. We could use your support. Yeah, that's true. If you uh, can always find us on Stitcher Radio or iTunes, Intune, go to the uh, subscribe page of our website, take a look at it. Give us a like on iTunes, help us increase our uh, listening uh, audience, and we appreciate the star rating as well. Thanks for joining us here at the Park Flyer Podcast. As always, I'm Michael. And I'm Jay from the AK. And you have a great night. We'll see you. Good night. Night. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review, and feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com.